There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, a retired NYPD sergeant with 27 years of service. With me today, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Good. You know, this case has been um, a heartbreaker from minute one. Just, uh, you know, when you talk about we, we've worked homicide cases, we, we've worked missing person cases, but... When you talk about, you know, the whole man's inhumanity, the man, just this criminality and the kidnapping and then just not knowing um, what had occurred and then finding out in dribs and drabs uh, the heinousness of this crime uh, knows no bounds. And yesterday there were some news reports. Uh, They undoubtedly, they determined this um, to be a a homicide and it was... uh, the other horror part of it was death by gunshot, which no one ever expected. But more and more investigative tidbits come out. And, you know, every day when we cover these cases, we can't uh, praise law enforcement more. The job they do, unbelievable. There were some faux pas made in the very beginning of this case in the taking of a missing person report. And we're going we're gonna to address that later on. But just, uh, you know, last night, I believe, it came out sometime yesterday afternoon, Duty Ron sort of broke this uh, over YouTube. Uh, and it was just, you know, the horror, the horror doesn't stop. And uh, it's just it's, it's just a, a horrendous thing. I'm going to share the screen with the news report of this coming out. And, and they give a lot of facts. That's one of the reasons I want to put this up on the screen. Facts that were just released uh, yesterday. This afternoon about the murder of 18-year-old Naomi Irion. That's right. The suspect, Troy Driver, is accused of kidnapping and killing Fernley teen Naomi Irion last month. Now, according to newly released court documents, Driver shot and killed Naomi or, uh, before burying her in a remote area of Churchill County. News source Janae Ryan is here now with what else we're learning about what happened to Naomi. Janae? Well, within the last hour, we found out from the Churchill County Sheriff, Naomi was shot in the head and chest. We don't know how many times yet. Earlier in the day, News 4 did get a hold of a new criminal complaint filed by the Lyon County District Attorney. Here are some new important details of accusations against Driver that paperwork has. Driver shot and killed Naomi between March 12th and 25th, the day he's accused of kidnapping her and the day he was arrested. He murdered and buried her in rural Churchill County, where she was found on the 29th. He destroyed or hid pieces of her cell phone in different spots across different Nevada counties. That could be connected to those searches in rural areas based on those pings. He got rid of his truck tires, so that evidence wouldn't be sitting around. That would be the truck News 4 saw taken away from his house, the one detectives asked the public to look for. A driver was originally charged with kidnapping. He now faces charges of open murder, burglary, and destroying evidence. He is expected to be arraigned on those charges soon. His pretrial is now set for May 10th after a delay. News 4 will keep you updated with any changes. Live in studio. So just, just horrendous. I also want to get to the, the court affidavit 
uh, of the charges, which were upgraded. I'm going to put that up, up on the screen now. And Philly, I'm going to have I'm going to have you read it. If you could, uh, I'll make it a little bit bigger so we could see it there on the screen. Uh, you want to read the charges? I'll start from the count, or you want me to start right from the beginning? Um, no, just start, start from the uh, start from where, where it says count one. That on or between March 12, 2022 and March 25, 2022 in Canal Township, Lyon County and New River Township, Churchill County, State of Nevada, defendant did willfully, unlawfully and feloniously kill a human being with malice, afterthought, either expressed or implied with premeditation and deliberation, the unlawful killing committed in the manner following to wit. The defendant did kill Naomi Arion with a deadly weapon, namely a firearm. Okay. Horrendous, right? Uh, yeah. And then they go into some of the other charges, robbery and violation. Uh, they also charge him with burglary of a motor vehicle. Uh, in New York State, um, you know, burglary, usually the, the vehicle has to be a commercial vehicle or a vehicle that's used for overnight lodging, but they, they seem to charge us. He also gets charged with destroying evidence. They want to make sure that they define each and every charge on this, but just the heinousness of this crime and the fact that we know now, I mean, that he he shot and killed her. I mean, he shot her. All the other horrors of this case, you know, the kidnapping part wasn't bad enough that, he, you know, the way he killed her in that her car, we found out earlier on, was a, is a crime scene. So did a sexual assault occur in that crime? Just everything about this case Billy, were there any sexual assault or, or assault charges in that affidavit? I didn't get to read that before. I believe that they mentioned that there was. Uh, whether okay. they could they charge that right now, if they have the forensic evidence necessary to make that charge, I'm not sure. Okay. But um, it's just I mean, a, horrendous. A, a, any always around, it's it's disgusting. It's horrendous. It's terrible, and uh, it, it just seems like. Uh, this violence, just uh, the cycle of violence is, uh, instead of getting better, it seems to be getting worse. I mean, it's, uh, let me let me put something else up on the screen right now. There's so much new information to this case. And as I said, last night, Duty Ron um, did a great job on his show. And I'm going to put this up on the screen um, so you could see how it was upgraded um, yesterday. Uh and this was very important, that a tip leads police to gravesite of missing teen Naomi Irion after kidnapped from Walnut, a Walmart parking lot. Uh, I'm going to read this. On Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, investigators from the Churchill County Sheriff's Office, along with a detective from the Lyon County Sheriff's Office, responded to a remote part of Churchill County following the tip regarding the disappearance of Naomi Irion. Their investigative actions led them to a possible gravesite. Washoe County Sheriff's Office Forensic Investigation Services team was contacted and responded to assist in processing the scene. The body of an adult Caucasian female was recovered from that gravesite. The body was transported to Washoe County Medical Examiner's Office for an autopsy and to confirm identification. On March 30th, 2022, the remains were confirmed as those of Naomi Irion. The family has been notified. No further information can be released at this time. So you see that, that they have a great deal of more investigative information that they have shared with us. And, you know, to, to know the the timeline and just the sheer horror of this crime. And one of the things I wanted to point out was that there's some 
uh, undoubtedly a lot of premeditation in this crime. And we fear us in law enforcement, and not just fear, we know it's an educated assumption that this wasn't this guy, Troy Driver's first rodeo. This wasn't his first time out doing something like this. So does he have more bodies on him? You know, we question that. Are there cases like this in this county? Have they had similar cases like this in the Walmart Walmart parking lot where females have disappeared? This guy, don't forget, in 1997 was arrested for a murder. And some people said, oh, but he didn't pull the trigger. He took part in this murder, you know. And it's just as we look at this case and examine this case, it just gets more and more horrendous. And when I heard this yesterday that the cause of death, of course, was homicide. I think we all expected that. But the fact that he shot her, I was just, it added an extra level of savagery to this case. Absolutely, Billy. And uh, if you would indulge me a minute, I'd like to run through a quick timeline, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, sometime in the early morning hours of March 12th, uh, before 5 a.m., Naomi appeared in a uh, gas station uh, and in a convenience store part of the gas station. At approximately 5.09 a.m. on March 12th, uh, uh, she was in her car pu- pulling into the parking lot at that Walmart, uh, at that location uh, in uh, Reno, Nevada. Um, she stayed on social media till about 5.23 a.m. And about uh, also uh, the surveillance cameras picked up uh, the suspect lurking about and uh, pacing nervously prior to uh, him entering the car, which was at uh, 5.24 a.m. He enters the car, and at 5.25 a.m., the car leaves the Walmart parking lot. Um, at around 9.45, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, on March 15th at about uh, 12:45 a.m. Uh, 12:45 p.m. A bolo is a uh, is uh, put out by the uh, uh, law enforcement. Uh, the uh, possible kidnapping kidnapping victim, uh, Naomi Irion, is named. And on March 15th, at about 2:15 p.m. later that day, the car, her car, a blue uh, Mercury Sable, was found about four miles east of that Walmart. Now, at that point. Evidence suggesting criminal activity and foul play in a disappearance was released uh, on March 16th at about 9.45 a.m. The LCSO police uh, released a video of Naomi and grainy footage of the suspect. That, that was the uh, video of her inside the uh, gas station uh, convenience store and the, the suspect pasted about in the Walmart parking lot. On March 16th at 4 p.m., uh, a pre- press release uh, indicates that... Uh, there's a dark colored Chevy pickup that's directly involved in the case. Um, and then on the 24th at about 1025 uh, a.m., the uh, press conference says that they're looking for help in, in identifying the vehicle as well as the suspect. Uh, on Friday, March 25th at about 445 p.m., they announced the arrest of the suspect. And then we have the body is recovered. And as of yesterday, they have the uh, the release of the autopsy results. Now, again, th- this case is just so horrendous. An 18-year-old young girl, uh, you know, abducted in a Walmart parking lot, waiting to go to work. I mean, seemingly uh, very innocent through the whole situation. And this, uh, this predator, uh, 
you know, he pounced on her. Uh, he took her wherever he took her. Uh, and now we know that there was possible uh, rape involved. And then he winds up shooting her and killing her. The whole thing seems to me, Billy, as very, very premeditated. Uh, you know, it seemed like he had a place set up to take the victim. Uh, he parked his car. He, he seems to have been familiar with that location to me. I don't know. I'm, that's the indication that I'm getting. I'm sure the investigators will dig deep into that to see what connection he had to that area or that specific parking lot. And was he stalking Naomi specifically, or was it just a general, uh, you know, looking for victims in that area? Um, I think those questions need to be answered and I'm sure that the investigators have them, uh, you know, we're not privy to the, uh, actual case folder so we don't know uh just what the connection is between naomi and the suspect so again horrible horrible situation and uh, we talked about situational awareness and i'm sure we'll touch on that again today so uh th there we have it uh troy driver 41 uh now held on murder charges Folks, this is uh, Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go to our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon, and we also have uh, a YouTube membership. You can see the folks in the green font in the chat are part of our YouTube family. You know, folks, uh, we, we started covering this case very early, and, you know, it doesn't get any worse than this, a stranger, like, kidnapping of this this poor young girl, 18-year-old girl, was somewhat of an innocent girl that lived all over the world because her father was uh, in the foreign service. And then she wanted to live with her brother in Nevada to lead a more normal, what she considered normal, life of a teenager. And we just, uh, we this stuff is just heartbreaking. It's so, so heartbreaking. And, you know, there are predators among us out there, you know, and they're all around. And, and you know, that's why we have to, double down and try to keep ourselves and our friends and our families safe by, you know, giving safety suggestions. I mean, the very least thing and no, uh, no way would I, am I ever trying to do victim blaming, but you know, even when I'm in the city, I always make sure I lock my car. It's too easy for some, well, these days, once you start driving, you throw your car into drive, the car locks automatically, you know, which is another brilliant safety device that uh, car manufacturers have built into the car. You know, just like we talked about the fob, you click it once, it just opens the driver's side door. That was done for a reason, you know. However, I know Naomi's car was an older version. It probably, uh, I think it was in 1992 or something. So probably I actually had to manually lock the doors. And again, no victim blaming. Uh, but, you know, she was an innocent girl and I don't think she could ever had had seen evil like this in her life. I don't think she's faced down an evil person like this guy, Troy Driver. And I mean, you can see the evilness on his face right there. You know, you know. yesterday when we, we were covering um, the uh, Cassie Cawley case also, and the sheriff there had referred to um, the perp in that case, who was the, the boyfriend of Marcus Spanavello, as a dirtbag. And... Um, I so want to refer to Troy Driver as much worse than a dirtbag because he is uh, he is evil personified. And one of the things that I sort of solidified my view on that is when Brian Enton from News Nation went to his house to look at his pickup truck 
and his roommate came charging out, you know, with all kinds of curse words and saying that uh, Troy Driver was the finest man he's ever known. You know, dirtbags hang out with other dirtbags. What do you expect? That guy, that guy's probably a criminal too. You know, he had a very similar goatee. I was like, well, they twin, twin goatees, you know, and it was just like, I just couldn't help but think, you know, birds of a feather. I was just going to say that, Billy. You know, and it's like, uh, you the know, old thing, that, uh, I'm sure Brian Enton uh, was a little nervous meeting that guy. You know, I don't think he expected to meet him in the way that he met him and the manner he met him. But uh, that's part of the biz, you know. Absolutely, Billy. I, I just want to point out a comment by Alicia B in, in the uh, in the chat. It said, I've had someone approach my car twice at a red light. Always leave room to maneuver out of the situation. Great point. You come to a red light. Don't lock yourself in so close to the car in front of you. God forbid someone approaches the car and you have to maneuver out of the way, especially four, five, six o'clock in the morning, whether you're going to work or whatever. Try to be cognizant of your surroundings. That's called situational awareness as bill and bill and i have uh, have said in, in the past but that's a great point by alicia b thank you for putting that in the chat we really appreciate it great point photo flies photography loray yes i look around when going to my vehicle put my key between my fingers to use as a weapon and lock the door as soon as i get in and that's uh, a great piece of advice you know it's always good to be diligent rather than, you know, you don't want to be just looking around at the sky. You know, it's a, that's how people are spotted in New York City. The ones that are looking at the tall buildings, you know, that they're not uh, from New York. You know, they're giving themselves up. You know, one of the uh, things that came up in this case, which is sort of heartbreaking, and uh, is Casey, the brother, attempted to report her missing the next day. Uh, so she was missing on the 12th. Uh, he attempted to report her missing the next day, and the police would not take the report. And we had uh, touched upon that in the very beginning of this case, and it's not that unusual, but people that are reporting someone missing, they have to use the correct language. Uh, and I, uh, how are you supposed to know this? You know, that she's she's missing in unusual circumstances, meaning unaccountable or possible foul play. You have to say that, and you have to give reasons. But it turned out the brother Casey actually had to do his own little investigation. And he went to the Walmart and actually recovered the video which that showed someone at the, that point they didn't know it was on the 12th of March, someone forcing his way into her car and pushing her over to the passenger seat. With that information and with that video, the police now were interested Uh I've known, you know, I've worked hundreds of missing person cases, and I know that many people come in and report people missing that we know right away are not missing. They maybe didn't come home for the night. Maybe they stayed out with somebody. But to separate the real from um, the not real, you really have, it's it's sometimes tough to do. But I'm sure that the police are going to be, um, they're going to point the finger at them for this, for not taking the report. Would that, could that have helped recover her alive? We don't know the time frame of how quickly this transpired on that, um, on those documents. They, they, they really put the timeline as uh, extremely, you know, they, they give themselves a lot of room on the timeline. I, I think I'll pull, I'll pull it up again 
and just to show you guys, they they uh, they give themselves a lot of legway uh, room because you know, of course, a defense attorney can always challenge us. Oh, when did this happen? Oh, well, that's why they give themselves uh, that on or between March 12, twenty two, and March twenty fifth, and it gives so it gives them that leeway because they don't know specifically when the actual homicide occurred, you know, uh, and then they have the kidnapping that on or about March 12th in Canal Township. So, cause they had actually had, um, video of, of, of showing, uh, of, of showing the kidnapping. So that, they're pretty specifically specific about the date. You know, one of the things in regards to the actions of Troy driver, Bill, let me just make a comment about the reporting of uh, missing person cases. Now, obviously, I think you hit all the points. Uh, sometimes people come in and a person, you know, stood out all night or you have a runaway, whether it be a, you know, a teenager or whatever. But when there are extenuating circumstances, this was my experience. If I got called down to the, uh, you know, to the desk, uh, you know, where, where people would come in to make reports, I was up in the squad and they'd say, listen, let's talk to this person because there's something here. Uh, I would make the extra effort, even though, uh, we would take what would be called an informational, which would mean that we would just log it in as a missing person. That way, if someone showed up at a hospital or that was unidentified, unconscious, or God forbid, dead, they would possibly be able to link it. So, but when there's extenuating circumstances, like in this case, I think that it was clear she never showed up for work. She went to the Walmart parking lot. Had they articulated those facts to the police officers, I would think someone would. Uh, clear thinking would have maybe took the step to go to the Walmart as the brother did. However, maybe it wasn't, you know, they might've just walked in and said, listen, you know, we think she's missing. What happened? She's 18 years old. All right, let's give it some time. And that thing about 24 hours is baloney. That's, that's just something that you see on TV. There does not have to be a period of time passed before a, a missing persons report can be taken. Again, I cite extenuating circumstances like the fact she didn't show up at work. She doesn't do this. She's 18 years old. Uh, she's new to the area. All of those things should have been articulated to the offices. And again, we don't know whether they were or they weren't not trying to criticize anyone here. Just trying to make out the point that, you know, a lot of people are remote reported missing. Uh, the vast majority of them are usually the runaways or people that didn't come home or whatever, didn't touch base. And eventually they're, they're found. Very few of the cases are turn out to be cases like this, obviously. So uh, again, you need to articulate it, like Billy said, and uh, I think that that point is uh, is well taken, folks. You know, one of the things that we saw through uh, watching the initial video earlier on, where they announced all of this, um, the Nevada coroner had announced yesterday afternoon that the cause of death for Naomi Irian to be gunshot wounds to the head and the chest. Uh, Irian's body was found in a remote gravesite in Churchill County, near Reno, and the state's western border with california they had a witness on last night on duty runs and he said that the the spot where the body was recovered was approximately an, an hour and a half drive from the walmart that she was kidnapped from so therefore you know he obviously knew this area the other thing was they got a tip as to where the body was so one of the things we're also thinking about is how do we put this case together and I mentioned what a experienced criminal he was because he attempted to destroy evidence. He changed the tires on the looking at his pickup truck right there. 
he changed his tires because he knew tire impressions were going to be used on his escape route or on where he connected the dirty deed. And he also, again, try, tried to destroy her phone, um, dumped it in different locations along his escape route. But one of the things these idiots don't think of is that the initial crime scene was her car. And there's obviously going to be DNA. There's going to be forensic evidence in that car linking him uh, to Naomi Irion. He has no business being in her car. How does he explain that? But then that, that we, we've heard and we know that they've had witnesses or cooperating witnesses, people telling them uh, tips, what had occurred. And that's what led the police um, to be able to recover her body and recover evidence in in regards to this case. And, you know, that's why we always, we, we say it again, ad nauseum, if you see something, say something. And that is so, so important. Uh, and again, it, it, it shows how important it is in this case and so many other cases that we've worked on this, on this show. I'm wondering if the tip was someone that knew him or knew that his uh, whereabouts were in the area where the body was found, uh, or was it just a blind tip? Maybe it was a secluded area that's uh, deserted, and, and now they saw his vehicle and someone called it in. I'm curious to see what that is. But again, uh, this hour and 20 minutes, I think you said it was away from the Walmart parking lot, Billy. So uh, that sounds like super premeditation. It was an area that he felt comfortable in that, you know, he could do what he had to do his dirty deed, as you said. So, uh, yeah, th th this is true, uh, psychopathic behavior. Uh, this is a predator. Uh, he had this planned out. Um, when we had, uh, chief Boyce on last week, uh, we were talking about the Met Sanguine case. In that case, there was a similar, uh, abduction by another woman. However, her instinct told her that she wasn't going to uh, survive this attack. So she uh, threw herself out of the van as uh, as it was driving down the block. She wound up surviving, uh, testifying against him and getting a conviction. Now, I don't want to victim shame or victim blame anyone here, but you know this young girl was probably terrified and didn't have the uh, the, the thought to do something like that or didn't get the opportunity to. However, in that case, that woman was able to escape by uh, you know jumping out of a moving vehicle, um, and her fate probably would have been the same as Emmet Sanguian. Uh, so listen, uh, you know, we talk about the, uh, the fact that everybody should be aware of their surroundings and, and those security and safety protocols, uh, are really life-saving, even though you might take them for granted, uh, locking the door, you know, uh, having the keys in your hand, whatever it may be, uh, very, very important. Sassy investigator, uh, the coworker called it in. So someone called it in and people were cooperating people horrified at these horrendous situations um someone else asked a good question um is an investigative clue the same as a tip no not exactly you know a clue you can get a clue from uh from physical evidence uh, a tip is when someone physically calls the police and tells them that they know something uh, about the case i'm just going to play this again because i think it's important to know when we first uh early on covering this case, don't forget a judge had offered $750,000 bail in this case based on the fact that it was a kidnapping. And all of us were horrified at that. 
But we have said that'll be rescinded once this comes back inevitably as, as a murder. And that is, in fact, what occurred. Naomi Irion last month. Now, according to newly released court documents, driver shot and killed Naomi or, uh, before burying her in a remote area of Churchill County. News Force Janae Ryan is here now with what else we're learning about what happened to Naomi. Janae? Well, within the last hour, we found out from the Churchill County Sheriff, Naomi was shot in the head and chest. We don't know how many times yet. Earlier in the day, News 4 did get a hold of a new criminal complaint filed by the Lyon County District Attorney. Here are some new important details of accusations against driver that paperwork has. Driver shot and killed Naomi between March 12th and 25th, the day he's accused of kidnapping her and the day he was arrested. He murdered and buried her in rural Churchill County where she was found on the 29th. He destroyed or hid pieces of her cell phone in different spots across different Nevada counties. That could be connected to those searches in rural areas based on those pings. He got rid of his truck tires, so that evidence wouldn't be sitting around. So, folks, you see that he's thinking all along the way of covering his butt and trying to get away with this, uh, destroying, hiding pieces of her cell phone, uh, getting rid of his truck tires, which he knows law enforcement will take imprints of his truck tires and match it to his truck. So just every step of the way, this guy is a career criminal. You know, it's scary to think that some of these predators are living among us, living, going about their lives. This guy had a legitimate job. He lived in a house. He owned property. He owned a truck. He went to work every day. But at the same time, he's a criminal predator that's out there that we all have to be aware of and be concerned with and about. That would be the truck News 4 saw taken away from his house, the one detectives asked the public to look for. A driver was originally charged with kidnapping. He now faces charges of open murder, burglary, and destroying evidence. He is expected to be arraigned on those charges soon. His pretrial is now set for May 10th after a delay. News 4 will keep you updated with any changes. So he has his next court appearance is now May 10th. So I think all of that... Uh, the talk about bail is out the window now, obviously. I, I, I mean, in this day and age, you never know what the criminal justice system will do. But uh, I think bail is out the window now. I'm sure it'll make an application for it, Billy. But I think the judge would be hard-pressed to put any kind of a number on <clears throat> such a uh, predator as this. Uh, going back to that affidavit where it, it, it encompasses March 12th to the 25th. Uh, listen, as we know from previous cases and our experience in law enforcement, uh, investigating murder cases, uh, medical examiners cannot give you an exact time of death. I think they just wanted to play it safe and they knew that they took him into custody on the 25th. The abduction took place on the 12th and they didn't want to have a gray area where someone could say, well, she was killed at this time and you're charging her based on uh, this date. So they threw that in there. That sounds like uh, what that is to me. Uh, again, they'll probably have a better idea of how long after the abduction uh, took place that she was murdered. Uh, however, they, they may not have an exact day. So uh, they're not going to have an exact time, obviously. Uh, so I think that uh, that's why they did that in the affidavit. Uh, that's really uh, something that is like a legal, uh, a legal maneuver. So uh, I wouldn't be concerned about that to start thinking, well, she was abducted. She was held. It's possible. But I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, I don't think that uh, there was a long period of time that she was held, although we'll find out as the case goes on. 
You know, so much of uh, of this case, and we uh, again, we've been praising law enforcement for the diligence and how they've uh, worked this case, how they've done a very thorough investigation. And again, they probably, since this has occurred, many people have probably not been home since the 12th of March. They followed this case. They followed it, uh, especially, you know, when you see who's involved in this case. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the, he has other bodies on him, this guy, because he, he looks to me like, you know, a psychopath. You know, he's a, he hunted her down, premeditated, and look how he's trying to cover his ass post-crime. Just unbelievable, you know, just unbelievable that this guy is living out among us, you know, and it's it's just an incredible thing. Look at the lengths that he went to. I mean, he actually had the thought of mind that his vehicle was at the location where her body was buried. The tire imprints could tie the vehicle to the location. So he takes the tires off and changes them. Now, he spent about 20 years in jail for another murder. And it's obvious that he went to the school of criminology at in jail. He probably talked to other uh, inmates and uh, instead of reforming himself, he probably just got deeper and deeper into criminal thought. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's horrendous that uh, this, this predator, like you said, was walking amongst us and a young lady getting ready to go to work early in the morning, um, you know, unbeknownst to her is, uh, being surveyed by this uh, by this predator and uh, stalked, and it's just a very unfortunate thing. Folks, well, going to hear a little bit from the family, and this was early on in the investigation. The, the family of Naomi Irian. I didn't, but that same day, Lyon County found her car in a place that was so obvious and so out in the open that I never thought to look there. You know, right right in front of the Sherwin Williams plant just to the east of it between the loading dock road that goes to the polyglass plant and the Sherwin Williams fence is a small little dirt pullout where semis park sometimes and her car was there and you can see that from I-80 like thousands of people must have seen that car and um, what goes through my head is you know if this case had been taken seriously from the beginning um Maybe we would have found that earlier. In fact, I know that we would have. And uh, since then, I mean, it's been one thing after another, and we, get, we still don't have her. And I know they didn't give details, but it was something with the car, it seems like, that made them take it more seriously. I don't know what yeah. that was. I was sitting there, so when they found the car... I actually knew before they called me because somebody posted it on social media that there was like some, some uh, police activity there. And I was on the way already when the detective called me. And I sat there for almost four hours, pretty much like biting my nails and waiting because it took them that long to open the trunk up because I was afraid that, you know, we might see Naomi in the trunk. So. Um, that was excruciating. And honestly, that feeling hasn't left. You live in South Africa. Yes. And Naomi lived in South Africa yes. with you before moving with her yes. brother. She lived with us there for two years. She went to the American International School of Johannesburg, 
and she graduated high school there. So Naomi was used to sort of a, would you say like a sheltered life in some ways? Or we are very life? protected. We, ha we live in a very secure compound with 12 foot walls with razor wire that's electrified on top. We have armed guard at our gate. Everybody has to show ID in order to get in. All of our, all of our windows and doors have, you know, steel bars and grills. We have a security system, emergency panic buttons in every room. Um, yeah, we're very well protected in South Africa. And so that's how she grew up, sort of in other countries too? With in Germany, not so much because it's very safe there. So the freedom of movement that she had there was very special. But in Moscow, it was also, you know, we were also very well protected there as well because of the environment. She wanted to make life here in, in the United States after growing up overseas and so she decided to that well we all decided that um it would be best if she came and started her american adulthood as a independent american young woman right here in fernley nevada and so she moved in with you that's right and how long ago was that august of 2021 okay folks i just played that to see uh, what what great people her family is and uh how you know she was loved and uh, they really concerned about her a lot. And here she comes to the United States for a better life. And, and, you know, something this heinous occurred to her. And, uh, it's just, you know, I was saying to Phil yesterday, you know, we've been covering, uh, when you cover these cases, you can't, it's not just a, a journalistic case. You can't help but feel something, you know, and it's the same way when we work these cases in the NYPD. But you feel, you feel the pain, you feel the horror. And like, why did this happen? Why did this have to happen? You know, and what can we do to prevent this in in, uh, in the future? Just, just horror. And you live it. And that's, you know, that's maybe why we've all said, cops, we have PTSD from, from working these type of cases. And for a 20 plus, 25 plus, 27 year plus career in law enforcement, it, uh, it takes a toll on you, you know. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. You know, we're trying to bring you the police perspective to these cases. And to me, in my life, there are no better people on this earth than the police. And I hope that you guys that follow us feel the same way. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. And if you want to uh, contribute, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you really want to be part of the YouTube, our YouTube family, our channel members, we have five different levels. Phil, uh, you, just your feelings on it. I think it's important that we articulate our feelings as former law enforcement officers on these cases. Sometimes the news, um, when they report it, it's almost like they're reporting it in a happy voice. And it just, like when we were just watching the ghost, she goes, we don't know how many times. you Like, wait a minute. Say that in a little bit of a somber tone, you know? It's not good news that you don't know. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure she didn't mean anything by it, but you have to be sensitive to how people are perceiving your delivery of this horrendous news. Absolutely, Billy. And, and as you said, uh, working these type of cases, uh, I've gone to many uh, wakes of uh, 
victims that I was investigating the murder of just to connect with the family, to keep the lines of communication open. So you're not only seeing that person laying dead, whether it be in a car on the floor, whatever. Now you've taken the next step where you are going to pay respects to the family and go to a wake uh, and try to connect with them because the family, a lot of times could provide, uh, you know, information and you want to keep those lines of communication open. But the point is, is that you've taken another step. Now you've come a little bit more personally involved with that person. You now met their family, you know, their loved ones. And you're right, Billy, it does take a toll on you. Um, I'm sure the investigators in this case that we uh, we talked about uh, the investigators on the on the Cassie Carly case, um, you know maybe they're going home for a quick shower, change of clothing, a, a quick nap, whatever it is. When you're on these type of cases and and when things really are accelerating, there's no time to say, well, you know, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm going to go home and go to sleep and have dinner with my family, and then I'm going to take uh, you know my dog for a walk. That doesn't come into play when you're on these cases. And you, you don't even think about that. You think about you're on the hunt for this predator. You're on the hunt for the, for the, to get justice for the, the, the person that, you know, you're assigned to that case. So, um, you know, a good investigator is not thinking those things. You just run with it until uh, you get to a point where, well, all right, well, this, this thing that, that we're working on, you know, that can wait till tomorrow. And that's when you get the time to go home, shower, change. And then, you know, uh, the, the supervisors, Billy, you were a supervisor. A lot of times they'll, uh, they'll say, listen, you know what, why don't you take a break, go into the dorm, catch a nap or go on a couch, uh, take a little nap, throw some water on your face. We're going to be doing this over here. So again, you get so personally caught up and involved in it. And I think what, us being retired and now doing this podcast, the thing that we're going to uh, be able to help in these situations is putting out the information. To, you know, there's thousands of people that watch our podcast. And I think if a handful of them, just a handful of them will enlist some of the safety protocols that we've pointed out and it could prevent something. That's the goal in mind here. Uh, you know, maybe maybe all of the listeners are going to start to be aware of their surroundings. And, uh, you know, we're going to do some uh, some future podcasts about domestic violence. And we really need to put a spotlight on it. This really wasn't a domestic violence case. It was more of a predator case. But uh, the safety protocols, we can't say it enough. And that's going to be our co uh, contributing to preventing stuff like this, getting the word out. And uh, I think that's uh, what we'll we'll take away from this. That you and me personally, that's going to be our co contribution to you know staying involved in law enforcement by putting the word out and keeping people safe. Uh, DP Infamous, you cops are awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Thank you very that. much. Uh, Palmer Thirteen, he was leading a uh, living a double life. I you know Palmer, I think that he was not a nice guy in his day to day life. I will guarantee that. You know. Because as I said, the people that probably dealt with him were probably just like him, you know. Uh, and that's people that, you know, the old expression, birds of a feather, which I said before, you know. Uh, Art of Cat, this is so interesting, informative, and educational. You know, one of the things that I always, one of the things I cherished about my police career is that I've retired and gone to a couple of, like, police rackets. And I've had detectives and cops come up to me and say, you know, Sarge, I really appreciate the uh, some of the things that you taught me coming up, and especially the young cops when I was first mate sergeant, they, he goes, you taught me some amazing stuff. I said, hey, that's right. You know, I really felt good about that. And if we can also spread that same type of thing in our podcast and give people maybe information that might save their lives, uh, might save a loved one's lives, then we're doing, you know, we're helping people. And that's, 
that's why we both became cops. So, you know, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, uh, and these, as I said, these cases break your heart, you know, they break your heart. They really do. Um, um, Gerda Katsi, exactly. Alicia B. We are extremely aware whenever we leave home, home is literally the only place we can relax a bit. So we don't mind the high walls and the alarms. Uh, Lynn Scaddish, that her brother Casey talked to her about locking her car door the evening before she was abducted adds to this tragedy. Lynn, 100%, I totally agree with you. It was sort of fatefulness that, you know, he talked to her about, you know, safety and locking your car door and all of those things that, uh, you know, I, I, I always, one thing cops always say to each other uh, when we greet each other and when we leave each other is stay safe, be safe, you know. And it's no accident that we say that because there are dangers out there. Absolutely, Billy. And, you know, from being on the job all my 22 years of service and, uh, you know, I never really left uh, law enforcement, so to speak. I'm plugged into it. I mean, now doing the podcast keeps me involved. I never uh, disconnected from uh, colleagues on the job and stuff like that. And I exhibit... uh, hypervigilance it's called and uh through uh, after 9-11 when i went for some therapy and stuff uh you know they they explained to me that that hypervigilance is something that's not really gonna fade away it's something that is in your blood as being in law enforcement you know when you see the worst of society when you see the worst horrible accidents and and specifically i'll talk about 9-11 when you see things like that uh, it stays with you and it causes you to have this hypervigilance. Now, me personally and my family, you know, my wife and my kids will, will complain about it here and there. But I know that the things that I have said to my children growing up, uh, they've done things. And uh, I'm not going to get too sp- specific, but my daughter, one time, my oldest daughter had a reaction to something. She was going into a ride in an amusement park and she didn't, you know, it was raining that night. It really wasn't crowded. And she, popped right, you know, she was only about 15 at the time, 14 or 15. And she popped right out and she said that I, I didn't like the feeling I got when I went in there, the people that were, you know, it was only the workers that were, were working the ride. And it showed me that she had instincts now, you know, maybe all the hypervigilance and all the things of me saying the repetitiveness, it, it, it penetrated. So again, uh, we can't do that enough. Sometimes I could be a little over the top. My family thinks that, you know, with the hypervigilance and stuff, but you know, when you see things like this, and you see something like this that possibly could have been avoided. I mean, that young lady lost her life, 18 years old. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to point to her, but had the door been locked and had she had the car running and maybe possibly could have been able to escape. Uh, God, you know, I mean, it's a what if thing. But uh, so, again, you know, that's that's going to be our contribution to uh, to, you know, society and, and, and law enforcement in a way, I guess, you know, to uh, get the word out you know, be aware of your surroundings, especially uh, a young 18 year old girl like this. Uh, so, so, so innocent and, and so wrong that she was killed. So wrong. Daryl P. Uh, do you guys think that the coworker information helped break this case? Well, they already had him in custody. It helped solidify this case to make this case stronger and to make the charges, the murder charges uh, so, so much stronger against this guy. And so, as we say, we can't say enough times if you see something, say something. It's so important to have information. And now, you know, with that someone came forward that worked with him, others will come forward and say that things they've seen maybe in the past 
that they didn't think was kosher. You know, sorry to use a New Yorkism, kosher. You guys from other, <laughs> you guys from other areas, we we use the word kosher, meaning is it is it okay? Is it all right? You know, is it kosher? You know. But, I use uh, that quite often myself, Billy, because you know, I was thinking, we jokingly say when we go to a bad location, we'll ask each other, is that a one or two clip location? Meaning yeah. two, one or two magazines, that location. And we say that jokingly, but that's, that's cop humor. You know, I want to go to a quick, um, a, a, a quick commercial break and then we'll, we'll, we'll get right. We'll get right back. Um, John Beattie law, www.jbdlaw.com. Uh, John Beattie is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beattie litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beattie. 917-797-9520. And that's our newest uh, cop attorney, John Beatty, who is uh, who's working with us, who's helping out the show and supporting us. And uh, we'll go to Joe Murray now. <laughs> Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. You, you know, no, Billy, folks, I want to, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say, it is so great that all these cops uh, become attorneys. It's uh, here they are working hard and going to law school at night. It's just, it's an unbelievable thing. And some of these guys, when they do become attorneys, they become superstar attorneys because they know the other side of the fence. Let me just get this quick ad over. It's the secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector. It accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. We interviewed CEO Todd Mickelson, and he shared stories about how iDetect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes do not lie. Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840. You can email them at info at Converis.com. You know, Billy, I wanted to make a quick comment about, you said, uh, uh, you know, about a little saying uh, we, about kosher. You, you brought up kosher. Uh, anytime we would start to talk to somebody or we'd start to investigate something and then we knew that something wasn't right, we would use the expression, something's rotten in Denmark. So I'm sure you used that one quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> we use all kind of copisms, you know, uh, yeah. and, and New Yorkisms. So for you guys that aren't from New York, uh, People sometimes comment in the uh, in the chat how much they like our, our accents, and you know, uh, a lot of times when I was trying to pursue acting, I would just get dismissed from roles right away because of my New York accent or, or commercial. Oh, we want a Midwest accent, and be like, ah, that 
that knocks me out of the box yeah. minute yeah. one, you know? And uh, so I suffered for it. Now it's nice to hear every once in a while that people say, Oh, I love your New York accent. I said, you should have told the uh, commercial audition people that you, you love that, you know? Yeah. I've been told that I'm too ethnic when, when I appeared on, uh, on uh, the perfect murder, as you know, we, you and I met on that show and uh, I did a couple episodes and I did a couple other little things. And, and I've been told that you're very ethnic, I guess, just the, the New York, the Brooklyn just comes out of me sometimes and I could turn it off. I could be uh, on the professional side too. Like when I testified in court, I always tried to, you know, be uh, very, very professional and try to speak slowly and calmly. And those are the, those are the things that you do as a professional, you know? So, but uh, sometimes it just bleeds right through and you can't hide it. <laughs> well, you know, Philly, when I went to um, college in Buffalo a long, long time ago, I went to get my undergraduate degree there and I was taking a course in, in French literature and the professor, hears me, he asked me if I'd read something. So I read it and he goes, where are you from? And I go, New York. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, specifically where you're from. I go, I grew up on Long Island. He goes, that's it. He goes, you have a different accent than New York. It's different. It's Long Island, you know. And they used yeah. to say Long Island, you know, because all the Jewish girls from Long Island would say Long Island, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I just, so I was pegged right there as not New York accent, a Long Island accent. So, uh, you know, you can't get away from it, you know? Yeah. It's your environment. You know, you become a, uh, a person that, uh, your, your surroundings, you know, and, uh, but you know, uh, like you said, you go to school, uh, you become a police officer and you take on a professional role. And, uh, that's what I always tried to maintain in my time on the job is, you know, listen in the squad room or in the precinct around the other guys in the locker room, you could have all the fun. But when I went to a job, you know, you try to be professional as you can. And, uh, you know, uh, you got to maintain that, that, uh, that protocol, that, that, uh, you know, that posture. So, uh, people, you know, listen, you, you're walking into situations and people want to know that, you know, what you're talking about, you know, what you're doing. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times it's comforting people, whether it be that, or, uh, you know, putting handcuffs on a bad guy. Uh, if you don't have that, you know, that professional posture, you know, a bad guy might want to try and fight you or, or take you on. So again, you know, that's, uh, that's what we do as, uh, as law enforcement officers, you know? And I always used to say that when I was older on the police department, that the uh, younger perps would look at you and be like, he didn't get old cause he's stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not in this job this many years. Cause he didn't, uh, he didn't know what he was doing. He, he got to he got to be old because he was wise and he was smart and he was maybe tough I don't know we'll see but then you know then I went into this field here and there's my acting headshot <laughs> so it's it's a whole different world but you know guys uh, again we're just trying to add a little levity to a horrible horrible story and that's uh you know as cops how we would survive you know uh, these horrible situations to add a little levity to it you can't always be somber uh you know we think of the beautiful young girl that that lost her life and it's it's so 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 heartbreaking you know and uh the more we find out about it the, the you know the horror just doesn't stop and it's uh you know it takes its toll on everybody i know it i know it does and uh you know and there there you have the uh the face of evil on the screen i have the picture of uh 41-year-old Troy Driver. Hopefully, he'll spend the rest of his life in prison. And, you know, Nevada does have the death penalty, whether they will go for it in this case, I don't know. But uh, it does have the death penalty. They can use that 
as a bargaining chip, at least. You know what, Billy? Uh, that is pure evil. I I've said it before. He looks like uh, Charles Manson to me. And uh, I've told people and I've said it on the podcast. I've looked into the eyes of the devil. When you're when you're uh, doing an interview with someone that can talk about murdering somebody, confessing to a murder. And I've had that on, on uh, several occasions. Uh, not every one of them, what I would say was the devil. A lot of times it would be something that just you know, spiraled out of control, whether a person is drunk or a fight or something like that. But when you have a person telling you that they cold-bloodedly killed another human being and they can look you in the eye and they have that stare, that like blank stare, I, I call that the devil. That's that's the evil of the devil. And I've had it a couple of times in my career in, in the box, you know, uh, uh, talking about murdering someone just uh, so, you know, so callously and so easily. Uh, I, I talked about uh, a case not long ago with you about a retired sergeant and uh, who was killed um, uh, about two months after he left the police department, the NYPD. And the way that that guy talked about the murder, it was just like, uh, and, and they wound up telling us about three other murders as well. I mean, they, they were really cold-blooded murderers. That was truly the devil. And uh, I'm just glad that I could be a part of uh, capturing someone like that and putting that person behind bars and getting justice for victims and preventing any other horrible, horrible things from happening. But, uh, you know, you made the point, Billy, this stuff does take a toll. Even us talking about it on the podcast. I mean, we've been covering a couple of real horrible cases recently and, uh, you know, it, it kind of creeps up on you, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. We have a new member here. Your gypsy, uh, became a YouTube member. Thank you so much for joining, uh, the police off the cuff, real crime stories, YouTube family. Uh, Alicia B, never leave the cannolis, Lieutenant Pete. <laughs> That's good. We all know that reference where that comes from. Leave the gun, take the cannolis. Yeah. You know, that was from The Godfather. But uh, great. Uh, Julie LaRosa, how you doing? Thank you for the compliment. I, I, every once in a while, I'll show my headshot. Someone will say I was handsome, you know. So, uh, but thank you, guys. Oh, you look good in that. You look very good in that headshot. You look good in that. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, just looking through the chat. Uh, Amanda Simpson. Yeah, I showed that picture. He was 41. He looks ancient, evil inside, showing outside for sure. Uh, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders. Thank you, Lieutenant Pete, for all of your support that we get from you every single day. I don't think there's anyone who's been in the chat more times than you and Richella for our podcast. And believe me, we appreciate you. Uh, Absolutely. Good people. Are there, Nancy Drew, are there law enforcement? investigating another missing person cases since he has been in Nevada. Uh, Nancy Drew, one of the things I just want people to know is there's a thing called CODIS, and that stands for the Combined DNA uh, Identification System. And the it's run by the FBI. So all the DNA that's, uh, there's two types of DNA. is forensic DNA and there's uh, individual DNA. Forensic DNA is DNA that's taken from crime scenes that have yet to be solved. Individual DNA is individual taken from people who are convicted of felonies and certain misdemeanors, and it's taken from them when they get arrested and is put into the, or convicted, I should say, when they get convicted. When they're and it's, put in the, it's put in the FBI uh, national DNA system, which is CODIS, Combined DNA Identification System. In a case like this, I guarantee you they also do a swab and they'll make sure they do it, which I, a swab, I mean, they'll take an exemplar. They'll get a court order to do it, so they make sure they cross their T's, dot their I's, so some defense attorney says, 
He wasn't willing to give his DNA, and they took it from him anyway. So they'll get, they'll get a court order, and it's much easier to have an exemplar to compare it against a forensic DNA, DNA recovered from, say, a Naomi's car, DNA recovered from his pickup truck, DNA recovered from her body. It's much easier to compare it against the exemplar than it is to compare it against CODIS. It would take longer to compare it. I hope I explained myself well, but that's uh, that's how we in law enforcement we do it. Will they compare his DNA, again, to the original question, against other missing persons where they have forensic evidence? 100%. They're not going to just close the door on this guy. This guy, to me, seems like a career criminal. I don't think he started doing this on March 12th when he kidnapped Naomi. I think he's been continuously committing crimes since he got out of prison. The only thing that stops a predator from committing crimes is putting them in prison, putting them in a little jail cell. You know, Absolutely, Billy. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that law enforcement's probably looking into uh, any other unsolved cases. Uh, listen, they, they could also be cases that uh, the person wasn't killed where they were abducted and maybe possibly uh, sexually assaulted. So they're going to look into all of those things. It would be uh, remiss if they don't do that. And then you mentioned the CODIS system. I'm sure that there's, uh, you know, uh, teletypes going out to all law enforcement agencies regarding this uh, this particular perpetrator. So who knows? There may be uh, other cases that they can link him to. Uh, a lot of times they'll be able to link him to a case or link a person to a case. However, there might not be enough to proceed with criminal charges, but we'll see. We'll find out about that. We talked about that uh, in the Metzangin case, how there was a, a separate case besides the two that he went to jail on that they believe he, he had committed. However, they didn't think it was a strong enough case to get a conviction, so they never charged him with it. But uh, we'll find out, I'm sure, going forward. Schmitty, thank you so much for the $5 Super Chat and your kind words. Sergeant Bill and Detective Phil, I love that you are fully engaged. Your education is invaluable. Thank you for all you have done. And can you continue to do? Schmitty, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, TR Graphic, do I think he has killed other women prior to Naomi? I think it's very, very possible. I don't have any independent uh, information or evidence that he did. But let's face it, this guy is a career criminal. He's a predator. I think the fact that he's probably done other crimes, he's probably done other sex crimes. Absolutely. You know, he's done rapes, he's done all kinds of other things. And if they have forensic evidence on these cases, let's get his DNA and let's compare it uh, against him. Um, casual DP infamous. I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Maybe you were referring to that news reporter. Casual matter of fact equals called no effect. Uh, Christo C., uh, Dar, we appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you, Christo C. And we appreciate you guys. Um, you know, we're, we're just a little podcasters in this ocean of podcasters and we're trying to grow our channel, you know, and, uh, I always call duty run every day. And when, when I'm going on, I'm saying, what time are you going on? Cause I don't want to go on at the same time he goes on and I get squashed by his gigantic audience, you know, but, uh, duty run has been a huge, uh, a huge help to this show. He's advised me on so many things in regards to YouTube and how to do this. And uh, in essence, we've only really been on, I guess we've been on YouTube maybe for um, a little more than a year. We started out doing it on, on other podcast vehicles and we didn't know the the value of being on uh, YouTube first. And now we know that and we're almost, we're all in on YouTube. Arctic Cat. So many recent cases have triggered my own uh 
PTSD, brought back my childhood abuses and neglect traumas, the severe domestic violence and abusive marriages. I felt things, relived things. Well, AutoCAD, I hope that you're getting help for that or you're dealing with it in a healthy manner. Exercise, hanging out with positive people, you know, instead of dealing with it in a negative manner, which we all do to a certain extent, you know. Don't ignore it. That's the one number one thing. Don't ignore it. If you need therapy, you need to speak to somebody, reach out. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, these things creep up on you. But like Bill said, if you're around positive people, do some exercise, whatever it is that you do to relax, do that. And uh, if it st- continues to bother you, you know, seek help, professional help. Marilyn Minetta, I saw this and I had to read it. I know Phil is Italian and Bill Irish, but I think those are so much similar in what makes us so much alike. 100%. So I know I would rather go over to Phil's for dinner and have some Italian food than have him over here. I'd just make a mistake or something. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to throw it up on the grill. Julie LaRosa, you can tell he's a career criminal as he got rid of his tires, correct? Who knows how many tires he's, how many times he's done that? Julie, uh, Julie, I 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, criminality is learned, and uh, you know those criminal ways are learned. Uh, Lynn Scottish, thank you, gentlemen. Good show. Thank you. Uh, is that Scottish? It's Scottish. Lynn Scottish. Uh, thank you, Mickey Mantle. Good to see you, Jeffrey Crowley. Rachella Pranzo's in the chat too. We have uh, Pete and Rachella and supporting us from day one. Thank you guys so much. Nancy Drew. Yes, hiding evidence means he never wanted to get caught. So yeah, he might have been doing this for a while. Nancy Drew, I have no doubt. He's not a new Jack. He's not a first timer. And uh, he's done this before numerous times, you know. Uh, Burr, they should have the Italian girl school of warding off creeps. They need to make a school for these young girls. (laughs) I like that, the Italian girls' school of warding off uh, creeps, yeah. Um, Nancy Drew, if he doesn't want to get the death penalty, uh, he might give up more information. You know something, Nancy? That is so um, well thought of, and that's the bargaining chip that the death penalty gives uh, to law enforcement, that they can bargain that with a defendant who's facing the death penalty to get information to get them to cooperate. Without that, what are you bargaining with? You're doing life or life? You know, what can they bargain with? No, we're going to get you the death penalty unless you help us, unless you cooperate, unless you tell us what are the crimes you've committed. And it's such a huge um, thing to, as you know, for an investigator to be able to to bargain and to, you know, is, is another chip uh, to to get to get the, the perp to cooperate. Barbara Ann, grateful for your service and your wisdom, my son is law enforcement. Back to blue. The Thank blue. you so much, Barbara Ann. We really appreciate it. Uh, in psychiatry, DP Infomus, we were taught about effect as a symptom for, psych- uh, for psychopaths. You know, I always, um, I don't know how to put this, but I was more into the policing expert aspects of catching these guys. I didn't dig deep into their psyche. That wasn't my uh, my area of expertise. I just wanted to catch them and build a good case against them and put them in prison. The other part of that, you know, profiling uh, serial killers about their personality traits, all of that stuff, it makes a good TV show, but I was more interested in just 
being a good cop and catching these per people and putting them away for a long time. Billy, I want to make a comment about the death penalty. Now, in this particular case, like you said, there could be other victims. I'm okay with using that as a bargaining chip. But if they have a really solid case on this guy, they don't need him to give them any further information with regard to this case. And I would like to see the death penalty given to this guy. I think it's a great deterrent for future crimes. Uh, and maybe, you know, in the back of your head, one of these psychopaths that is going to do something horrible like this might have that thought in their head. Uh, I really believe in it. I believe in the death penalty. Um, obviously, everything should be, uh, you know, all uh, you know, all avenues of the possibility that that person didn't commit the crime should be exhausted. Uh, but I think in this case, it's such a strong, strong case. I would like to see him get the death penalty. However, like you said, and, and that, that person in the chat said, maybe possibly he would give up information on if he committed uh, other heinous acts. That'll be uh, something for him and his lawyer to uh, approach the prosecutors on going down the line. Crime sleuth uh, number three. I was really surprised uh, Troy Driver shot Naomi. I did not expect that either, to tell you the yeah, truth. That was, I thought it was going to be expect. like a strangulation or something like that. I didn't expect... You know, what shows, uh, you know, again, we're not working this case. We're not going to be testifying. It shows what a savage this guy is. You know, uh, we, we criticized the sheriff uh, from Florida, uh, Sheriff Johnson, of calling the guy a dirtbag, which we understand. We totally understand. But when the potential is there for you to have to testify, you probably should refrain from using those, uh, those terms, you know. That kind of puts me into the you know, describing him as a serial killer now that he shot her as opposed to, you know, if it was, a, a, you know, an abduction for sexual gratification and, you know, then uh, strangled is usually the mode of, of uh, those type of crimes. Uh, again, sounds a little bit, uh, a little bit different that she was shot. That kind of uh, surprised me a little bit, a little bit as well. So, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows what uh, what transpired? I'm sure the investigation and the investigators will uh, have a pretty good idea of what took place. So uh, uh, that's really all part of homicide investigation, put all, putting all the pieces together of the uh, of the puzzle. So uh, I'm sure that they'll uh, they'll accomplish that. You know, folks, we're going to uh, stay on this case. Uh, there's going to be, of course, more developments. He goes back to court on May 10th. Uh, I'm looking forward to the fact that maybe for more people will come forward and testify against this guy or bring in more information to law enforcement against this guy. Um, I'm interested to see what the results of all of the evidence they collect uh, in regards to, I'm sure they do a search warrant on his house, his vehicles, his workplace, his vehicle, his, his locker at work. Uh, and they're going to talk to all the people that he works uh, with. And I'm interested to know what all these people say. Jay Simpson, birdhouses. So many creepers in this world. I think the full video the young lady took of the creeper stalking her in the same Walmart parking lot anyone was taken should be shown to young girls. You know something, Jay Simpson, birdhouses? Absolutely. We're 100%. Those look like nice birdhouses. I don't know if you're a birdhouse builder, but uh, that looks pretty cool. Uh, Schmitty, um, Brutal, experienced killer. That's what I'm thinking. I, I think I think you're right, uh, Schmitty. Uh, complicated. I wonder why he decided to shoot her. Unless it was planned kidnapping, went wrong, and he had to before she got away. Yeah, I mean, 
Anything's possible, yeah. I don't think this guy will ever tell anyone anything. I think he lawyered up very early on, and that carries over even when they change the charges to murder. So I don't think we'll ever find out anything from him. That's why it's so important for great detective work, forensic evidence, electronic evidence, physical evidence, and the folks out there, if you see something, say something. Phil, we've been uh, live for a minute, an hour, a minute, an hour and 12 minutes. I think uh, we've told everyone we're going to stay with this case and any new developments will be back on. And I know Duty Ron is... Uh, has been covering this case. He did a tremendous uh, episode last night. It was almost two hours long where he had uh, Dave Rader on from Equisearch and he had the witness on that called in on, uh, I don't have the guy's name right now, that called in and gave the information on this case. So uh, barrels full of information and uh, he had a great show on last night. Phil, final words. Final words. Uh, God bless Naomi, Arion, and her family. Uh, God bless Casey Carley and her family. God bless all the victims that are out there in, in the world. Uh, I just want a quick apology. I was kind of frantic today. I was supposed to go get my taxes done, and Bill called me uh, kind of towards uh, the, the right around the time I had to leave for my appointment, but I changed it. I was able to get on, and I tried to put together that timeline. But, uh, again, we're going to stay on this. Um, you know, be aware of your surroundings. We talk about situational awareness and uh, God bless uh, all of these victims and uh, stay safe, everyone. 100% Phil. And folks, uh, thank you so much for supporting Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. Have a safe day. One episode, just ain't enough.